0: Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of To The Studio. This week, we have painter Ben Jamie on the podcast. Ben Jamie's oil paintings attempt to explore the boundaries between the incongruous and the sentimental, turning the ordinary into the unfamiliar. Inspiration comes from many sources, be it studio detritus, fly-tipping, transhumanism, conspiracy theories, or fast food. And although based somewhere in reality, the paintings are fairly undisturbed by the real world. The paintings depict notional metamorphic spaces containing their own logic, including shapes that have associations, something in a state of metamorphosis, something responding to external force, or inherent forms discovered in something exposed to an extreme event. Open drawing is very important in the construction of his work. The paintings are usually worked over many times, with the final image only being discovered over time. Recent shows for Ben have included Boone at Mrs Rick's Cupboard in Nottingham, Comfortably Dumb at Caster Projects in London, Already Not Yet at Shrine Gallery in New York, Problem, Reaction, Solution at Unit 9 Gallery in London, and Steal the Show on Bentick Street in Glasgow. Within our chat, we cover the importance of time in his paintings, how music plays a role in his process, and how his lifelong variety of experiences in sleep filter into his thinking and a recent formative experience too, of his seeing El Greco's The Adoration of the Shepherds in Madrid. Also, towards the end, as we're talking about sleep, I recall a book that I'm currently reading called Why We Sleep, but at the time I actually couldn't remember the author. Um, I'll put a link to the book in the notes at the end of the podcast, but the author of the book is Matthew Walker. Also, due to some illness and it being a pretty busy time of year for everyone, this could be the last episode of the year. So before we get into the conversation with Ben, I really want to take the opportunity to say a huge thank you to you and all of the guests we've had on so far that have been brilliant. And of course, to all you listeners for taking your time out to listen to them and for all the support you've given the, the podcast so far. This was something starting out that I was pretty nervous about and anxious about and wasn't sure at all how it would be received. So I've been super humbled by all your words of encouragement and positivity and I want to thank you all for that, really I do. And to be honest, the fact that this has reached some of you guys that are even living outside of the UK too is pretty mad. So as well as everyone in the UK, a big shout out to all you lot listening in Saudi Arabia, Finland, Belgium, Netherlands, South Korea, Dominica, Canada and the States. We've already been planning for guests in the new year and I hope we can continue to bring you many more interesting conversations throughout next year too so it's a big Merry Christmas from me hope you all have a lovely new year and I hope you enjoyed the potentially last episode of 2019 cheers
1: Evening Ben Hello How are you doing? Yeah I'm good Yeah what have you been up to today? I have had a full day in the studio, so I have been fiddling around with a painting that will possibly change a lot very soon. How
0: how do paintings often take you a long time?
1: Um it varies. I mean there's usually quite a big gestation period with them so they can take a while to kind of figure out Um, and it's usually the ending that's very quick with them but the beginning can take quite a long time Mm. depends kind of depends i sort of always fantasize about paintings being done very quickly and in one hit but usually what happens is they get to a certain point And then I have to completely change them. But it's at that point that I get excited again. Yeah. And that's when it speeds up.
0: (laughs) Uh, How do paintings start for
1: you? Um, Most of them recently start from works on paper. uh, Small Mm watercolours where I kind of test out compositions and colours and then they just get transposed onto canvas. Direct, like, directly, as, as directly? Pretty as much. As. Mm. Um, what tends to happen is I'll prepare a load of canvases, I'll sometimes put a, some sort of colour on them, so it's usually like distemper with pigment in it, random shapes, or sometimes there's forms, things going on and then those canvases kind of sit around for a while Mm -hmm. until I find the right image to put on them Uh, yeah and then they get directly transposed on just drawn on Mm -hmm. Um, and then yeah try and stick to what I've planned (laughs) but that doesn't that really happens yeah yeah I always have grand ideas And then they seem to disappear halfway through, usually at the point when someone else has seen them and said, that looks finished. That's the point I usually carry on.
0: (laughs) And so are you drawing a lot then before? how How many drawings would you have to go through to get, usually to get to one that you're excited about?
1: Um again, it varies. sometimes it's not very many sometimes it's it could be 10 um, but there's usually a process involved so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll manipulate the image um, by cutting the watercolor up, flipping it around, putting it on the light box, retracing it, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. so sometimes images can be reused. other things Mm. sometimes if I've painted over something I'll reuse that image later on and sometimes I'll use it again or elements of it Mm. or cut it up again so there's no real set formula to it Mm. much as I wish there was Um, but it just yeah it's quite instinctive yeah but not at the same
0: time (laughs) So I was going to ask you then, in the drawings, um, if there is some similarity in, in, some, in something within them that would arise to you and then make you excited about making a painting from them, to, to like, what are you looking for? I guess my question is, what are you looking for? Or is there similarities in what you're looking for in a, in a drawing to take, to
1: take through to a painting? I think it's a bit of both. I'm basically using the drawings just as something to hang the painting off. Okay. So that I don't necessarily feel that the paintings are to do with the drawings. The drawings are just there as a tool or as some sort of vessel almost to contain the painting. Mm-hmm. So when I'm starting out, I do try and replicate the drawing but it changes over time and that's that's why i do the underpainting and that's why Mm. um there's kind of other stuff going on Mm. Um, but sometimes yeah sometimes i'm just trying to get that whatever that is yeah i try not to question it too much because i sometimes feel if i question it it might disappear. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, well, I was going to. I was actually
1: thinking about when
0: you were talking then, your press release that you had um, written for your comfortably dumb show at yeah, yeah. the project. And uh, And <laughs> yeah, I was reading that actually. Yeah, I was reading that today before I came over here, and it said like whatever you do, like, whatever you do, do not ask the painter any questions. <laughs> 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 I was like fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, tonight, tonight could be a struggle. Yeah. Um, so, So yeah, but I, I, I guess where, where I'm going with it is there's that unknowingness that you want to keep hold of because within that maybe there's a... that's where the work exists for you.
1: Exactly, yeah, completely. Because I'll get... I'll get bored if something's too formulaic and I need... I need the mistakes to kind of happen to keep me interested Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes it quite problematic starting a new painting because every new painting I start I'm trying to get rid of all those problems I'm trying to I'm thinking this painting I've got it sussed I know what it's going to be and then you start painting it and it just doesn't quite translate or it doesn't do the thing that I want it to do Mm -hmm. which I won't know what that is until it happens yeah yeah so can you
0: <clears throat> so you're one of those painters that can visualise something and just and paint it you need to sit in front of you and then make a decision based upon what's there and, and, and deal with that one or another
1: basically yeah. yeah I sort of have this weird notion that the paintings have some sort of personality and I quite like them hanging around in the studio because they um like in that press release it talks about how they kind of almost paint themselves when I'm not here or something and I I do get that sense sometimes um and it's just that balance of directing what I'm doing and also allowing the painting to speak for itself Mm -hmm. I think if something's if it's too restricted like with the drawing if I'm just kind of filling it in it's I get bored very quickly mm. and they just don't have the sort of energy that I'm looking for. Slave to the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I always have to remind myself or, well, I don't have to remind myself. I am reminded every time mm. I start painting that it's not going to be that straightforward. Mm. Uh, much to the annoyance of some people when they're waiting for me to finish something. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's always interesting looking back through photos I'll take yeah. during the process mm. um, because you just completely forget how things started out, what what the painting was to start off with, mm. um, what I did to change it, why that change helped. Um, and I have to stop myself not, not being rash, Mm. if that's not too many negatives too far. (laughs) So I always have to allow myself to sometimes make stupid decisions that are slightly irreversible. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just always, always seems to be the same thing going on Mm. however much I want to stop it. Mm.
0: And is it often that you have a lot going on at the same time? A lot of paintings going on at once?
1: Mostly, yeah. There's usually three or four that are done at the same time Mm. and they always feed off each other. And so it makes it useful if putting a show together but sometimes it's not helpful because they feel like a set of paintings and then when I finish them then I try and think oh well I need to do another set and then I'm back to square one again. Yeah. Mm. So uh, where do
0: well I want to ask where your forms come from because looking around there's things that are in their early stages. There's paintings that are kind of, it looks as though they're kind of nearing the end stages. Um, And they kind of move from what seems to me from something that's quite bodily. And then they kind of move away from that a little bit into something that's a bit more kind of nuanced and kind of abstracted. But then there's these kind of geometric kind of forms underneath. So yeah, I guess my question is where, yeah, where do you kind of where do you find your
1: forms and where do they come from? Um, I think initially they came from. Um, I was painting, all these piles of rubbish that were at the end of my street mm-hmm. and roundabout. There's loads of fly tipping where I live. Yeah, and I started to kind of document that and then started painting them and then giving them form or sort of humanizing them almost. Mm. And then there was something in the, just in the compositions that, I don't know, there was just something bodily about it. Mm. And the newer ones do start from figurative beginnings. uh, But then I think I sort of I hide that I'm probably hiding something from myself as yeah. well yeah um, so yeah they just become these shapes mm. and then the shapes have no bearing on any reality mm. but I'd like to feel that I legitimise them almost by giving them three dimensional form but I, yeah I don't know I kind of I want everything to float in some sort of space. i mm. um, very interested in the depth that a painting can have, that kind of, the pitch of plane. And, yeah, the, the answer is, I'm not entirely sure. But they come from, they're, yeah, they're definitely human forms. Mm. Um, but... I always think of them more as landscapes, I suppose. Even though they're nearly always in portrait form. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that didn't Mm. really answer your question. No, it's fine. Um, Because
0: I I remember in your show at uni nine, that you showed some sculptures alongside the paintings there, didn't you? Yes. Well, I didn't get to ask at the time, Mm. Um, but were those sculptures did you see them as kind of separate bodies or not separate bodies but kind of separate works or did the sculptures read the paintings the paintings with the sculptures
1: it was a bit of both of them mm-hmm. so they I was attempting to make sculptures based off the paintings but also trying to have something that I could work from um, and so yeah, they sort of existed as these things that I didn't think of them as sculptures. Yeah, everyone at the time kept saying, "Oh, you should make them really big," and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and I knew they were just they were a means to an end. They're still knocking around. Yeah. Um. Kind of in the way, but mm. they're still here. They were very useful at the time, and I think. It's good just having them around. sticking around just yeah. so there's there's something just so I've got <clears throat> something that I can refer to in mm. terms of uh, giving something form because they're definitely not abstract paintings because if they were they wouldn't have that form so they're kind of I guess figural is the, is the word for them. <laughs> so I need something feeding in but then there's sort of a process, almost a filter, I'll use to get rid of what they actually are. Because I can always say what the paintings are yeah. initially, but then that's not what they are.
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Maybe you could t- start talking about your the surfaces that you that you build up too, because um, they start to become. Well, they're kind of in, kind of made in parts. It's like this kind of weird kind of puzzle. But some are really so there's parts that are really really thick and quite gnarly, and then there's like original kind of raw, canvas, and it it seems to me that's probably which is painting we're looking at in front of us at the moment. That seems like. I think you've always had kind of textual elements within your paintings, but I think these, what I'm seeing here is kind of a step, bit of a step forward from real, like, so you're really really building up surfaces now.
1: I think so, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of reminding myself what I'm interested in and trying to remember that whilst painting them. Um, But, It tends to just be certain colours lend themselves better when they're a bit thicker. Mm. Um, And I keep seeming to use colours that I find really difficult to use. So blues and greens, which this painting is (laughs) (laughs) pretty Yeah. Um, So I think it it was a thing when trying to get rid of painting, underpainting quickly, I could figured out a way of thickening things up yeah um, and so it's a bit of a device maybe and it excites is maybe too strong a word but I'm interested in that how you can get something that's in the background to be in the foreground just by putting a shadow under it so I like the fact sometimes when the thicker paint should be in the background and it's actually sitting proud of the canvas and there's that interplay between that that I'm interested in Mm. but sometimes it it is just a kind of get out of jail card Um, yeah and it It does vary because although I've sort of mapped out where all the colors are going, that it is, as you say, a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Because as soon as you change the color of one thing, then that affects the whole painting. Yeah. But yeah, in the end. Who knows? Who, who knows the exact answer as to why? I think at least just, uh, it's just um,
0: it's it's not really that thought out. Mm. And is that and that's, well that that seems to be something that you just that you hold on to, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certain tropes, I suppose, that I keep going back to, mm. um, and there's probably a list of them. There was someone, we had open studios a couple of years ago. Yeah. And the painter came in, uh, and he must have been in here for about an hour, talking about my process. Yeah. And he then listed everything I did to make a painting. I was <laughs> like, you could probably get rid of half of those, <laughs> and you'd still have the same painting. Mm. Which I sort of disagreed with, I think, because... It doesn't work like that. They're not they're kind of they're planned out but they're not planned out. And there's yeah. certain things I can fall back on that I rely on. But I always think the next painting afterwards, if I was to remake it, would be better mm-hmm. because I'd have hindsight mm-hmm. and I'd be able to leave bits out. But yeah, it never Never works like that. Whenever I've tried remaking a painting, it just falls flat. Mm-hmm.
0: And have you always kind of felt or thought about painting like that? Like when I guess your because you, you did your BA a lot of well many years before you went to terms, right? And were you did were you still thinking? I guess if you can remember, back then it was can is you went, you did a BA in 99, right? Roughly 99?
1: to 2001. Mm. And did you think about, were
0: you thinking about painting in similar terms then? No. No.
1: No, it was more, um, I don't know, I was just learning about it. Yeah. I've kind of always regretted where I went oh, really? to do my BA which I'd sort of carry around with me. But really? Me- no, I don't think I've quite jettisoned that. <laughs> I basically could have gone somewhere else. Yeah. There instead. Well, but well, yeah, but why, why is that? Why do you feel like... Why been, do I feel yeah, like... You should have gone there. <laughs> <laughs> because I went there and experienced it. <laughs> it was kind of good, but I don't think there's anyone I studied with who's still painting okay. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, There's the old tutor knocking around that I still see, but no, I was just, we were learning quite a lot. So in terms of painting courses, it was actually good for a grounding in that, but I certainly don't feel I had any sort of identity. Mm. And in fact, I don't think I had one until I went to Terps probably. Mm. And what, what did you get up to in between? in between that time because it was about a good few years between it's quite a yeah it's quite a gap I don't really want to think about it (laughs) how long it was Um, I was still painting Mm. I remember someone asked me what I was doing Mm. uh, thinking I must have had some alternate career Mm. but uh, no just painting Mm. and kind of finding my way um, and yeah, it was quite difficult for quite a lot of the time. Mm. I moved to London fifteen years ago or something like that, mm. and I didn't know. And before then, you were in Not. Were you still in Nottingham? Um, I was for a bit. There's sort of there's a long history. <laughs> lots of places I went. Yeah. On the way, um, but I always knew I wanted to be in London. That was always part of the plan. Yeah. Was that for any particular reason? Um... It just felt like the place to be. My parents are from, well, my mum's from London, my dad's from Reading, but I grew up in the Midlands, so I kind of never felt that part of there. Um, So yeah, my master plan that I formulated when I was 18 or something was go to Cheltenham study and then come to london straight after and then that didn't quite happen but it's fine <laughs> i am <I'm> over it <laughs> <laughs> it's good i wouldn't change anything so it's it's mm. like one of those things it's the same yeah. with painting as well you yeah you can kind of you can think oh i wish i had not done that on a painting but you know it leads you to where you're gonna end up anyway so it's fine <laughs> and and Terps, you said that you didn't
0: really find an or felt that you had an identity with your work until until then. Um, how was your experience at Terps? And yeah, and what kind of
1: what what shifted in the work to give you that? Well, I think I just I I must have been in a studio by myself almost for ten years before that, and so there was no feedback at all from anyone. beyond studio mate or whatever, but, um, I was just kind of plodding along and I was painting landscapes mainly. Um, and then what changed the Turks was as soon as I got there, um, it was suggested that I just change everything. And I kind of went for that. Mm-hmm. I used to always I'd have reference material, I'd go out and take photos of things I thought were interesting. Mm. Um, And then when I got to Terps, I just got rid of all of that uh, and got rid of any reference point, Mm. kind of start again. Um, But yeah, it was good. Mm. It was a good time because you mentioned earlier that you see these
0: these these new works as landscapes yeah in a way so in a way there's still there's still that way of thinking that you had before Turps kind of
1: coming through but yeah I think so there's the the space or lack of in them just kind of it feels like there's some sort of depth and there's there's yeah there's sort of Foliage almost, mm. but it's but it's not. Mm. Um, yeah, and I don't know if that's to do with where I live as well. There's kind of there's a big wild park nearby that no one goes in, yeah. and it's all kind of overgrown a bit. And mm. That's sort of what I see quite a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, going to Turks, that was just a a chance to try as many things out as possible um, and yeah then sort of come out the other end still not knowing quite what was going on but mm. with a few things that happened that were prods in the right direction mm.
0: was there anything particular that you remember happening or was it more the whole process start to
1: finish Um there was I think just there was one painting that ended up being in the John Moores um, which was in my second year and what was good about that was I had to leave it alone because I'd entered it into that and so that sort of, that had a life of its own Um, but it kind of felt like a bit of validation almost which I needed after years of kind of not really doing what I wanted to do because I didn't know what that was
0: Mm. Mm. what kept you pushing through with with painting
1: all those years stubbornness I think Mm. or trying to figure out what the alternative was and not really knowing what that was. Um, So, yeah, there's always times when I think of stopping, and then I try and think what I do, and then something usually comes up that stops me thinking like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because we've talked about your drawings a bit, actually, but... You also said you've been making some prints recently too Um, and they're quite different processes yeah yeah how do they yeah how do you find how, how do you find making making
1: prints I really enjoy it it's I like the craft element of it I think there's something about there being this process are they like, Are they? It's is it a lino or is it no it's, it's woodcut mm. um, so they just in plywood um, and they take quite a while to do I'm not particularly skilled as a printmaker so therefore they're probably way too complicated mm. um, <laughs> but I just quite like that small detail and cutting into something and then once you've finished, you can just fire off a load of prints that you kind of, you don't, I don't know, I sort of, I don't really give them much credence. And it's, it's quite nice having that where it's just not so serious. Mm. Even though I like how most of the prints end up, they're not, I don't really think of them as that much part of my practice. But they are. Um but I just like the fact that they're almost throwaway. So you can kind of give them away when you've done them. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, they usually try I try to make them so there's something to do with my paintings. Like there's a print I showed you earlier which is this Composition, same composition as the painting I'm working on yeah and so there's something there's something interesting about having a miniature version that I'll then colour in and then I'll know that I'll just mess about with this painting mm. more and more and possibly kill it by doing that but with, so in, with those with, with that print that you
0: just mentioned would you work on the print kind of playing out different end points to the painting or different ways of maneuvering it around.
1: Basically, yeah. yeah. And then some of the textures you get just with the uh, printing process, mm-hmm. you can translate that into painting moves, mm-hmm. I suppose, just yeah. because it's a lot more linear. And I think with the paintings as well, none of them are painted with big brushes so there's something they do kind of tie in I suppose because these are all everything's either done with a palette knife or a brush that's possibly a centimetre wide yeah um so yeah there's that translation as well so mark making as well
0: mm mm
1: kind of corresponds you mentioned
0: about the brushes do you use smaller brushes as Um,
1: a deterrent to paint too much possibly (laughs) it's also there's something um ridiculous about it painting I can't really paint small paintings Mm. and there's something that amuses me about painting big paintings with a small Mm. brush um yeah I mean it takes longer but there's something about that mark making that is can be quite intense Mm. and enjoyable and also you mentioned that time is important with the work and that
0: they are like nudged forward over time yeah so I guess that works hand in hand with
1: yeah yeah totally
0: with that and and having to to observe and having what allowing you the time to step back and observe rather than covering culture of it at once.
1: Yeah. But the surface, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah I don't know, there's just something about the feel of a small brush as well that I haven't been able to replicate with a big brush. Yeah. And also big brushes are just a pain to clean. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that's not part of the reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why do you think the, the the small paintings are a struggle
1: for you? Um, because I still haven't figured out the scale issue. It's like, do I take a big painting and squeeze it into a small one or do I just take a detail of a bigger one? So, so it's the same size, but just like a crop, Mm. and I haven't quite found that answer. I'll go through phases where I will produce small paintings, Um, but I only think they work as part of a whole, so they sort of need to be shown alongside the bigger works. Mm. so yeah, it's just it's that struggle to condense everything into a smaller image or into something more tangible, I suppose, and that's the problem. Mm. the The paintings aren't. I can't really explain what they are in a few words. Yeah, and I feel a smaller painting needs to just kind of be a bit of a punch straight yeah. away. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, or you don't. <laughs> yeah and so yeah Mm. Mm.
0: so with that said I guess we could talk about how you title the work Um, yeah because the titles are kind of they're quite quite varied from (laughs) (laughs) from kind of like medical conditions to uh, because I'm quite quite Bodily, quite physical things. Mm. Um, yeah, how do you how do
1: you go about kind of yeah, how do you go about titling them? Um, sometimes it's as simple as what I'm listening to at the time. So it could be a song title. Yeah. Um, do you listen to a lot when you're when you're working? Yeah, there's usually music on all the time. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And yeah, so that can influence things. I don't make paintings about music, mm-hmm. but I do think it's quite important to me. I've got very random tastes. So. Yeah, I was going to say, What does you,
0: what, what do you tend to listen to? Because are they Because if, if I guess if it's not something that you want at the front of your mind and you listen to it, it must be something that you're quite familiar with and also something that can kind of feed into the background rather than something which
1: depends what mood I'm in it really depends and um, I'm always quite affected by music in um, in a way that I want something emotive to happen with it but it completely varies what I listen to like anyone who's been anywhere near me late at night when there's a stereo on, we'll know that my taste can <laughs> go all over the place. What were you listening to today in here? What was. Do you remember? Today. Um, what did you move through? <laughs> Let me think. I listened to a bit of the radio, wasn't that helped. Uh, then, randomly, which will sound pretentious, uh, an opera. I was listening to. My dad took me to the cinema to see a live recording. Cool. Of the Met Opera doing a Philip Glass thing. Wicked. That I can't pronounce the name. It was an Egyptian one. ak or something. And it was incredible. Mm. Um, so I was listening to that again. And that takes up three and a half hours. Um, do you think about painting when you listen
0: to it? when you hear some music do you think about painting like you would the other way around I think so mm.
1: yeah um, and I'm sure it does directly influence stuff yeah um, but yeah you were talking about titles anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from that yeah uh, and the other ones the the ones that sound more medical are usually to do with sleep. Um, So I think every painting at the Unit 9 show Mm -hmm. had a title that was something to do with sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I have um, strange experiences when I sleep quite Mm -hmm. often. Yeah, go on. Lucid dreams, all the time I've sort of always been able to control dreams really like wake up from them from a really young age um and then I get night terrors quite a lot um I get mild sleep apnea so I'll stop breathing when I'm asleep what else I fall asleep a lot when I shouldn't, so well. <laughs> that's quite a thing for anyone who knows me. so have woken me up from somewhere. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of looking into that and then finding these random words that describe things like, um, obviously I can't remember any of them now, but there's, yeah. there's one where you've sort of got this weird buzzing sound just before you're dropping off to sleep. Mm. It's really weird, it sort of moves across your head Wow. Um, I think, oh, that one might be called exploding head syndrome. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um. One I, the one I thought of
0: was cataplexy.
1: Uh yeah, no. I'm not sure I can remember exactly what that is. I looked it up as well. I'm not sure I can as well, damn it. It might have to be looked up. <laughs> it's, um... Yeah, it, it escapes me. Oh, so yeah, it's basically being immobile when you feel like you're awake. Hmm. Uh, which goes hand in hand with sort of the night terrors. They're yeah. the, they're the interesting ones because you um, you sort of you think you've woken up, mm. and you're kind of in your room or in your house or or wherever yet there's something not quite right mm. and you can't move and you can't speak but there's something um, there's a feeling of peril which is quite weird mm. but I quite like it yeah. i sort of I've got used to all this um, stuff that would have freaked me out when I was younger but I, I quite enjoy it yeah enjoy it yeah so when you're painting, do you get transported in some ways to those, to those moments? I think so. Yeah, It feels like it exists on that level mm. in a weird way. Because painting is a strange thing to do. And I don't think it is just making images, or at least I don't think it is for me. Mm. It feels like there's something, something else going on, something to do with time something, I don't know, they sort of feel like they trap time, almost. Yeah. And, um, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and you mentioned earlier, when you're looking at the paintings and the reason you work on a lot at the same time is because you kind of lose the concept of, of time within them. You, you kind of don't know where, there's kind of disorientation in terms of time, isn't there, that there's, yeah. there's you, you don't know the beginning, you can't really see the end, not sure why certain decisions were made or how they were made yeah um,
1: but you accept them too and, and you kind of have to so I can see that yeah I can see that parallel isn't it? yeah it's kind of, it's kind of going into a trance but it's mm. not it's not I'm not sat there cross legs, with my don't even know what it's called but <laughs> saying on. Um. <laughs> but yeah they Yeah, there's something of that. So I suppose that's why it would make sense to title some of them to do with that side of things. Yeah. And I am, yeah, I'm very interested in sleep and kind of subconscious and Mm. all of that sort of stuff. My dad, well, he still is a psychologist, so I kind of grew up just with some strange theories about lots of (laughs) things yeah he thinks you um, you have a dream in the moment you're waking up that's his theory that I quite like that would make sense for me yeah so therefore time completely distorts Mm. Mm. and um, yeah it just makes you think that time is this thing that because you've got a watch or a clock yeah. that you're conscious of it happening. Well, I suppose that night and day. But yeah. apart from that, it's quite it seems a lot more fluid than it is. Mm. Mm.
0: There's been a recent book written upon written about sleep. Have you have, you, have you seen it? I can't remember who terrible. I can't remember their name. But it's called. I think it's called Why yeah while we sleep it's quite a popular. I just started reading it recently that sounds it's, good um, yeah it's uh yeah if anyone that hasn't I'm only a few pages in to be honest, but even the facts that it delivers on the first few pages are pretty it's it's nuts and obviously it's something that we're guaranteed to do every day
1: yeah
0: Which, not many other things are guaranteed
1: no <laughs> well that's yeah that's it's yeah. It's a weird thing.
0: Mm. Mm. Have you ever done much research into it or is it like the paintings where you just like to not know too much but know it's kind of there?
1: Yeah, I'll sort of, I'll only dip into it. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I sometimes think do I need to get some sort of professional sleep help and then I think, well, no. Mm. Mm. I don't I never feel it's that serious or worth the effort <laughs> and in terms of the paintings would you not want to research them
0: research sleep even so that it informs them even more as your experience that's that's, no. that's what the interest is and.
1: yeah I, what I want is for everything I'm interested in to kind of come through yeah so yeah Again, I think that goes back to like small things. There's nothing specific that I'm trying to get out or say Mm-mm. I don't think I think it's the whole it's yeah
0: just soundboards for the everyday and all that's that nice. yeah, yeah, that's kind of. Don't know. Don't know. So, in, in, in that respect, how, so how, what does a
1: day look like for you in the studio usually? Uh, so, my day's a lot shorter than it used to be. Um, I usually drop my daughter off at school, then get here for. plan is to get here for nine, and then I usually have to leave at just after five to go and pick her up. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's contained within that and I've kind of got used to that way of working and I often think that most of the paintings done away from here almost because um, you're thinking about it so much yeah lots of cogitating
0: <laughs> what, what What are you thinking about when you're away from the studio what are you
1: thinking about in terms of the paintings uh, usually I'll just be Looking at a photo I've taken of it and thinking just objectively what's working and what's not working, Mm. Um, that tends to be the main focus is just thoughts about which colours are working, which aren't, Mm. what to get rid of, what to keep. Um, Yeah, so it's always there. It doesn't switch off. I wish it did sometimes. Um, So, yeah, when I'm going through a phase of, if I'm working towards a show or something, it's, like, permanent. I can't switch it off. Mm. Um, But, yeah. And are you looking at, do you look at many other artists? Um, Bits and pieces. I mean, it's very hard not to, now, I say bits and pieces. I mean, that's, total life I mean <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole load of books on the shelf there mm. I did used to keep at home and not have in the studio mm. um, but yeah it's very hard not to just look at Instagram quite a lot when yeah. you're sat in the studio by yourself mm. so yeah i probably see more art than is useful to well I don't feel alone in that but that doesn't legitimise it Uh, but yeah I'd say to my detriment sometimes Mm. and I think that's it probably does feed into my painting because sometimes I'll be like oh I want to paint like them today and then then the (laughs) next day it's someone else and Mm. then they're just this weird amalgamation of stuff that isn't you so it's yeah trying to rein it all in and not Mm. be too exposed but I do like going to shows seeing as much as possible so London's great for that it is good I just went to Madrid randomly for the weekend so I went Mm. to Prado which was just ridiculous like yeah I think I gasped at Mm. one point which I don't do, <laughs> but I just went around the corner and there was a painting I'd spent a long time looking at in the production yeah yep. so it's like El Greco's The Adoration of the Shepherds there's just something about that painting the way it's like really tall thin painting um, and just the composition with all the figures around and then yeah I walked around the corner and it was just there in front of me and it was quite special mm. and then felt I needed to see absolutely everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I of the around for the next few hours but um, yeah that was good mm. and then back to a cold cold ways London <laughs> yeah it wasn't that warm then <laughs> it was good though I will go back and try and see more um but yeah I, I kind of think yeah the painting definitely goes on when I'm not in the studio because mm. in in my head I'd like to think that I'd be in here every waking hour mm. but when that opportunity does happen it's it's not that beneficial no no so you're definitely
0: in the camp of most of the time painting spent painting is not actually painting
1: yeah you're in that camp for sure yeah yeah it's not all about being at the cold face I think and then it's yeah it's good sort of doing other things with my time Like I do technician work Mm. and um, I think I mainly do that at the moment just to get out of the studio and have something task orientated yeah that means I can finish it there's a definite start and end point mm. and I think I need that sort of thing um, if these were more process based paintings I'd probably get that. in these but there yeah, there's no definitive end mm. unless there has to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well
0: I guess we are nearing, we're nearing the end. Well, so I wanted to ask you, you may have listened to a few of the podcasts before, so you may know what's coming.
1: But I have, but then I <laughs> was trying to remember what you always asked and completely forgot. <laughs> well, the
0: first question um, I ask everyone is, if you could visit um, an artist in their studio or anyone in their studio, they can be living or dead, Um, who would you want to visit and what would you want to ask them or
1: what might you want to ask them? Um, Well, I just watched this documentary the other night from the 80s, but I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it was like six painters in the 80s. Mm. And obviously they were all male because it was in the 80s. And (laughs) it seems like there were no female artist then which of course is ridiculous but um, it had Marcus Lupitz painting away in his studio and George Baselitz painting away in his studio so it would be a toss up between those two but Baselitz might win because he was I think he was living in a castle (laughs) (laughs) really? yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, Luper turns up to some show in some vintage sports car. Was he rocking his cane then? He didn't have his cane then, oh. but he had a very good haircut. And then he, there's some sculpture outside and he climbs up on it and just stands there. Um, but yeah, I'd probably only ask boring technical questions to them. Really? Like, what medium do you use? <laughs> something really yeah mundane Mm. because yeah that's fine that would be it (laughs) and the last question
0: Um, has there been any advice that you've been given or has there been anything that someone said to you that has kind of stuck with you in one way or another and and carried through Or something that you might you know,
1: hold oh dear. Um, Well it's a bit cheesy but there is a card on the shelf that just says never ever ever give up Mm -hmm. that my wife gave me quite a few years ago. Um, And I do think it's important to just keep going. But also, in terms of advice, I would say there's someone good to ask advice of if ever you want a painting question. There's a guy called John in AP Fitzpatrick's who knows everything. Really? Yeah. So, if anyone's, got, up John. <laughs> if anyone's got a painting question, just go there and he... Really enjoys it as well. So. Anything to do with painting or kind of material specific. Material specific, but he's yeah, he he's got an answer and he'll know what a pigment will do in a certain binder, and all of that sort of business. <laughs> right off your stratos. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> That's a great one. Um, and last but not least have you got anything you'd like to plug or anywhere or anyone
1: got anything coming up um, there is I think there's a well supposedly there is there's a group show happening at some point next year and a solo show at some point next year A cast project which is um, and there will be an addition of print edition at some point when I finish them, also with castor projects. That's as much as there is that I can tell you. Okay. Which was <laughs> <laughs> <Just> suitably vague. <laughs> that's all right, mate, that's all right. Um, well, thanks
0: so much for letting me come over and uh, yeah, being so generous. Pleasure. Nice to have nice you. One. Yeah, nice one, Ben. Thanks. thank you very much for listening to us all the way through please find more information about what was discussed on the podcast in the notes section and if you like what you heard and would like to keep up to date with new episodes then please subscribe to the podcast and also follow our instagram which we regularly update with posts about each guest and all goings on with the podcast also if you can spare a moment please leave us a lovely review and that would help us out a lot As well as that, if you have any suggestions or opinions you wish to share with us, then please feel free to do so on any of our social media platforms or send us over an email. All of our details are again in the notes section of each podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.